1: Thank you so much for joining us on this very, very special edition of the Good Fight radio show as we're going to be talking with Dr. Bernie Power.
2: Hi, Chad. Great to be with you. It's a real privilege to be able to share with you.
1: I'm excited for this interview, Dr. Power, because I really want to get into a discussion about the Quran itself. And I guess the first thing to do is kind of show our listeners what Muslims may believe concerning what they would consider their canon, what they would consider their scriptures in the Quranic text. Now, we would talk about the the Bible and we'd say the Bible is the word of God and so forth. But Muslims believe something a little differently than we do when it comes to the text of the Quran. So maybe you can express to our audience what Muslims believe about the Quran and its nature.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. so so from Muslims so when, when they talk about, about the, Quran, the Quran they say the Quran is the literal word of God they say you know you Christians talk about the Bible being the inspired word of God ours is the literal word of God it's word for word exactly the um the words that Allah revealed to the Prophet Muhammad through the angel Gabriel, and so the the record that they have is these divine words that have come from heaven, and that's why it's very important to be able to preserve them exactly because that's the revelation that they've received.
1: Ivan, I you know I, I think it's really good for our audience to see uh, that difference, you know, between the scriptures and what the, a Muslim may believe about the Quran, and I've even watched a debate. Where a a Muslim apologist is up there debating, and when he can't think of the exact reference, he tells them what page to turn to. Now, how could how could a Muslim reading the reading sorry, reading the Quran be sitting there and somebody referred to almost like a page, like if I told you at my fellowship, you know, turn to page ten twenty six, you may be in Galatians, someone else could be in chronicles, they'd be like, "What are you talking about? But in terms of the Quran that they have today, most Muslims would say that it's just one Quran. Is that right?
2: Yeah, totally. And the the view is that this is a standard text and the um, unchanged. Um, so when they talk about it, they can refer to it in in these ways, thinking that there's um, there's going to be no discussion, no no debate about uh, what the content of the Quran is.
1: Well, I think it's great for us to kind of bring out that content, but I I think before we even do that, I'd love to go over somewhat of the Muslim, the Islamic narrative concerning how they came by the transmission of the Quran, especially if you're talking about there's only one book, there's no changes, there's no other uh, Quran and so forth. I would love for maybe our listeners to understand maybe what the Islamic narrative and then we could probably go into historical and not it's problematic, even their own narrative.
2: Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. So the standard view is that uh, Muhammad was the sole recipient of the Quran. So the revelations came to him uh, through the prophet, uh, through the angel Gabriel, and he uh, was the recipient of them. He, maintain them and then he would recite them to other people and these people would either memorize them or sometimes they would write bits of them down and so when muhammad died in 632 according to the islamic uh, timetable the the content of the quran was memorized by many people and they had some written records and they tried to put those together so when um, uh, uh, there was an important battle called the battle of yamana where many of the muslims were killed, including those who had memorised the Quran. They're called huffaz, uh, which is memorizers. And so they decided they needed to write down some of the, um, get down a proper written record. And there was one that was put together, um, and that was um, uh, held, uh, placed uh, with with one of um, Muhammad's wives, um, Hafsa, and she had this copy. This was in the uh, the time of the first caliph, uh, Abu Bakr but as time went on people also had different versions and uh, so muhammad talked about some very important reciters so guys like abdullah ibn mas'ud and abu musa and he said if you want to learn the quran learn from these guys and these guys were reciting the quran but that they would recite it in different ways and they had different understandings of what the quran would be and this came to a head uh, at the time when the Muslims, during the time of Uthman, the third caliph, and the Muslims were invading um, Armenia and uh, the troops got there. And they said, um, the people who follow Abdullah ibn Masud's recitation go over to that side of the of the mosque, the meeting place, and those who follow Abu Musa's go to the other side. And so they were both, both groups were reciting the Quran together, but they were different versions. And there was a man there named uh, Huzaifa. And he said, this is no good. We can't have different versions of the Quran going around. We need to have only one version. So he goes back to the caliph and he says, you need to stop this. We can't differ about the book the same as he said, the, the same as the Christians and the Jews differ about their book. And so um, Uthman said, all right, we will uh, authorize just one Quran version. And he gets a one man or a committee of four people, including Zaid bin Thabit, who was the, the man who collected the first version. And he said, I want you. For to agree on a copy of, on a version of the Qur'an. And so they collected all of the different um, written versions that they had and they brought in all the, the people and they asked people, if you remember a verse of the Qur'an, come and tell us. And each verse needed to have two people saying, yes, I remember he- hearing Muhammad recite that. And so they put together one version, which is called now the Uthmanic recension or um, revision, And then Uthman ordered that all of the other copies be burnt. And this one, there was made um, uh, multiple copies of it. And then this became the standard kind of Quran, um, according to the Muslim view. And that has never changed uh, throughout um, 1400 years.
1: So that would be considered the Islamic narrative concerning the transmission of the Quran from Muhammad to Zayd ibn Tabit, right? Um, and then you, you had the caliphs, right? The rightly divided caliphs and so forth. So so this is the Islamic narrative. Now, there was a huge controversy over the last year because of a Muslim apologist by the name of Muhammad Hijab. And he had Dr. Sheikh Yasir Qadi, who's from America. He, he was studied in at Yale University. And there was... I mean, they had to take everything down from the Internet after their interview. And there was a lot of talk. And, and I, I think maybe you're going to have to define some terms for our audience because they're probably not going to be familiar with them. But I, I guess to kind of let you leapfrog from here, basically, he was asking about, wait a second, there's multiple Qurans, People have seen them. In fact, I believe it was J J Smith uh, who had shown at Speaker's Corner in London to Muhammad Hijab that, hey, I got multiple Qurans here. So what's going on here? And basically, Dr. Sheikh Yasser Qadi said, well, after a lot of kind of squirreling around, he basically said there's holes in the Islamic narrative concerning the transmission of the Quran. So maybe if you can, I'd love for you to kind of explain to our audience what that's all about.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So the 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 problem was that when um, Muhammad died, the, uh, and when this version of Uthman's version was put together, they um, the the earliest version of the Quran had no dots in it um, and no vowel pointing. So these are very important in the in the Quran. Uh, there's uh, I think only seven letters out of the uh, the twenty eight which have um, uh, which are uh, lacking dots and therefore are unambiguous, with all of the other ones that you need to add dots. It would actually help if I put a, a slide up. Would that, is that possible? Can I share that with you?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be awesome.
2: Yeah. Okay, all right. I'll see if I can do that.
1: Now. Yeah, especially considering I, I got to know who you are through mm-hmm. J Smith using, Dr. J. Smith, using some of your slides. So, yeah, I'd love <laughs> to pull one up and, yeah. and help us uh, – okay get to know this a little bit better. This, this sounds great. And I, and, I, and guys, we're if you're listening right now, we are with Dr. Bernie Power and he's an expert on, on all things Islam. And he does just a wonderful job. And if you guys want to check him out, you can go to YouTube and to his channel, just type in Bernie Power. You can't miss him. He's on there and he's got some wonderful videos and he's going in right now on the transmission of the Islamic text and not only the Islamic version and narrative of how we have the Quran today, but also what the historical uh, view is as well
2: okay now i'm having a little bit of trouble doing my share screen when i tell it to share it's um okay share screen okay on oh, a good computer um, all right uh it's not giving me the option ah okay window that's what i'm after got it Okay. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, can you see uh, can you see my screen there now? I can now. Yes, that looks yep. great. okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I I missed out the the discussion too about the the different versions of the Quran. Um, this was before the time of uh, Uthman or during the time of Uthman, and you can see the name uh, in this slide here in the middle. Can I get that up there? Um, share screen. Why is that not doing Slideshare from That's the one. Okay, all right, there. Okay. Um yeah, you can see from that slide there, by six fifty AD, so this is only twenty years after Muhammad died, the there were different versions of the Quran that were circulating. And um, uh, so <coughs> Muhammad said to his people, when you want to learn the Quran, learn from these people. And he gave a couple of names. And these are some of the names. So you've got uh, Ubay ibn Ka'b. Who had a version up in Damascus uh, with 115 chapters, Abdullah ibn Masud in Kufa with 111, Abu Musa al Ashri in Basra with 116, and Zayd bin Thabit in Medina with 114 chapters. And so they couldn't even agree which chapters would go in there. Abdullah ibn Masud, for example, said, uh, the first chapter, um, Surah Al-Fatiha, and the last two, Surahs 113 and 114, don't belong in the Quran. They're Muhammad's prayers. They they were never revealed to him by Allah. Others added in other chapters or combined them together, so they had variant versions of the the numbers of chapters that were there. And then um, then passed him. Um and then Muslims say yes, but the Quran, when it came to Muhammad, he recited it to a whole variety of people. And you can see in this second column here, um, so people like Umar and Zayd bin Thabit and Ibn Ibn Masood and Uthman, and then they recited it to other people who then recited it to other people. So you can see the second last column. Um, and these are called the Qira'at the recitants, uh, recitals, uh, um, and then the riwayat uh, the versions that are there on the far right-hand side. Now, we do we do not have a copy of the Qur'an, uh, just in its,
0: uh,
2: sorry, I'll jump past a few, can you edit these out when you're going through the um, thing? Yep. Yeah, okay, all right, yeah, all right, here we are. The earliest version, can I show you? jumping all over the place here. Right. The earliest versions of the Quran had no dots in it. Here's the Arabic alphabet and you can see how important the dots are because they help us identify the different letters. And when we take out the letters take out the dots, we're not sure what letters they are. They could be any kind of different different letters. So without the um, without the dots, there's only seven unambiguous letters in the Quran, um, and that makes it difficult. So when you put a word together, like here's a, a three-letter word, and you put the dots on them, you can put the dots in different places, and then you come up with a whole lot of different words, and you can see some of the difference, uh, differences of the words that there. It could mean he repents or she destroyed. Um, he brooded or a house or fixed the the version. The word could mean anything, and so people actually had to know what the text said before they could. Um, uh, before they could recite the text and so they had to be able to put it to, they had to uh, be able to put it together in their their own mind before they could recite what the text was um, and people didn't always get that right and we'll see here let's see. Uh, yeah so going back to this one the uh, on the on the far right the list there of all the rewai art is um different versions of the quran where they've got the dots put in different places now i'll show you what this means um because i've got uh, an example here if i need to stop sharing yeah in my uh, stop sharing yeah let's come back to that yeah. Um, so what this means is that when you uh, take out a copy of the Quran, then you can find and you compare that with different versions. And I've got my list here of uh, different different Quran. Um I've got a list of twenty-seven of them here. Um, oh, wow. You uh, you can open up the Quran and you can have a look at uh, how the different ver- the different versions vary. And I've done this with a whole group of. Uh, um, uh, Arabic speaking friends and I've done some myself. So we would look at the, um, the the different letters and compare that with another text which has got there and we can see the variations. Now I'm only looking at continental variations here and this is from just one version those are all the variations there's typically 100 to 150 variations between any two copies of the Quran. Yeah. Um, so to say that there's only one quran isn't uh, isn't true um because we know that there we can see that there are there are multiple copies um let me just get back to that slide again um okay
0: that one
2: yeah, so there's my my collection of uh, different versions of the Quran. Every single one of them is different. Um, to wow. say that there's only one Quran is is not true, um, and in fact, it's never been true. Um, and by the I, way, these uh, these sorry, are I easy need
1: to, to ask a quick question because yeah, sure. yeah. I think maybe from a Western mindset, from from us, maybe it's not really a big deal. Who you know? So what? You know, we have the Holman Study Bible. We have the NESB. We you know, and, and so forth, and, and we see all this, but for a Muslim, when they see those 27 Qurans and you're saying there's absolutely differences in them, why is this such a big deal for a Muslim, where as a Christian, that seemingly isn't that big of a deal?
2: Okay, yeah, so... Two things that are important to recognize. One is when um, Muslims talk about the Bible being changed, they're often talking about English translations. And so they'll say, well, your King James Version is different from your, uh, you know, NIV. Therefore, your Bible has been changed. We'll say, well, actually, those are um, translations. You need to go back to the original text. And the problem for Muslims is this is the original text. So it's the Arabic text. It's not as though it's an Urdu version or an English uh, translation, but the actual Arabic text. And the claim from Muslims is that Muhammad received these words in Arabic from Gabriel, and this is exactly what Muhammad passed on. But because there's so much variation, then it raises questions about what was actually what were the actual words that Muhammad passed on uh, during uh, during that time, or whether any of them got it right, because. Um, the, we saw earlier that the four um, early reciters all differed on the number of chapters. They couldn't agree on that. So it was a real problem.
1: Now, I just wanted to ask this as well, because you showed what the Islamic narrative was about the Uthmanic text. And I are there any manuscripts from that era? Are there any Uthmanic manuscripts?
2: Well, we don't have anything from that, that particular area. Some Muslims would claim that they do. Um, and I'll say, uh, yeah, we've, um, uh, you know, the one that's, for example, in, uh, in Tashkent or maybe the one in, um, uh, uh, in Istanbul, uh, sorry, um, the Topkapi um, version. But when they've been dated, they haven't been shown to be um, from that period. They're their later versions. So we don't have one. We do have a whole series of early manuscripts and of um, people, uh, you know, of uh, variations, a bit like with the Bible. We've got these early manuscripts, you know, you've got uh, Vaticanus and Sinaiticus and, and others. So we have the equivalent in. Um, uh, in, in the Quran. But again, you know, the problem is none of those early manuscripts have, um, uh, have the dots in them. So you can come out with any one of these different versions that we have come drawing from some of those manuscripts.
1: Oh, that's pretty incredible. Comes to the differences because I I'll tell you this Texas and I share I'm sharing the gospel on the streets there, and we were talking with a Muslim family, and I brought out exactly what we're talking about—at least 27 Qurans um, out there right now, as we speak. Not translations in English, right? There's what 106, I believe, somewhere around there, English translations of the Quran. But when it comes to the the Quran, these are Arabic. Qurans, you know, with the names like Warsh, right? And, and Hafs and so forth. And these are versions of the Quran being read in places like, uh, in Africa and so forth that are different than what they're reading. But are there any differences? Cause I know like Dr. Shabir Ali, who's a very famous, probably the most famous Muslim apologist, uh, in this era. And, you know, he would say, you know, there's no doctrinal differences, but I mean, is that really a good apologetic for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: and again, the the problem is that the claim was there has never been a uh, any change at all. Um, I'll just give you a, a couple of quotes. This is one here. Um, can you see that quote there from uh, uh, Abdullah Yusuf Ali? Yes. Yeah, OK, yeah, he says, so well has been uh, preserved both in uh, the Arabic text we have today is identical to the text that was revealed to the prophet. Not even a single letter has yielded to corruption during the passage of the centuries. And of course, Yusuf Ali is an important translator of the um, uh, of the Quran. His version was the one that was uh, the standard one. Another one, al Hajjaj al he says, uh, it's so fully preserved and not a jot or tittle has been left out uh-huh. quoting the words of jesus um so for muslims i would say yet yeah, the issue is we we haven't got any any variation at all as christians we've always accepted that there's um multiple manuscripts and we've got a wealth of manuscripts and we recognize that the the process is not perfect and you have some uh, transmission variations but muslims have been unwilling to even countenance that but now it's being forced upon them and so um, you know shabir ali is now coming out with these statements well okay so it doesn't really matter um here he is, here talking about that um that there are some variations because it doesn't affect our doctrine um, but that's not the claim that's been made over the centuries
1: sounds like a christian uh, apologetic exactly
2: <laughs> yes yeah <laughs>
0: now, that,
1: that we would use i'm sure it's been used on him before And one of the things I, I find that's very interesting on this topic, because even when it comes to the Islamic narrative that you went over about this Umanic text, taking Hafsa one of uh, one of Muhammad's wives and a Caliph's daughter and so forth. And I believe she, she had hid this manuscript under her bed. Is that right? For that's like right, a yeah. decade, I, I think is, is somewhat of the narrative that, that went out. And when we talk about specifically the scriptures, And getting back the scriptures and understanding that we believe that in the original autographs and exactly what they said is we know that the corruption of the text would be so difficult because of the vast amount of manuscripts that are all over. So if somebody was, you know, messing with the text, who cares? Because the guy down the street's not and the guy way away from you is not. And when we combine it, we can see very clearly what the author who is God himself intended. But when you now have, even in their own narrative, when you now have to put all of your faith that Uthman got it right in, in this text, I, I think that really puts them in such a disadvantage already. And that's for their best narrative. And so yeah. I, I think this is really, really important. And, and so when it comes to those doctrinal differences, not, not, are, are there doctrinal differences as well or things that would change from uh, the consonant text?
2: I'll, I'll give you one example there. Let me see if I can pull this one up straight away. Um, OK, one that affects the, um, by the way, so I've, we've gone through the text and we've just given a list of all of the differences just to give you a bit of an idea of the. Um, how many there are okay um so this is just between the huffs and the wash so the two most common ones uh, yeah, that you mentioned the huffs would be they call this the 1926 the cairo text also called the standard text and that's the one that the saudis by the way are pushing they're um printing millions of these and trying to uh, uh put them around the world the other main version would be the wash version and in north africa that would be the standard kind of one um, but if you compare the two, there's over 120 consonantal or long vowel or symbol, symbol differences which affect the meanings of words. So, you know, like in English, um, for example, America, you spell center C-E-N-T-E-R and we sell it C-E-N-T-R-E. This isn't that. These are different ones. Um, so you've changed the word from C-E-N-T-R-E to C-O-N-T-R-O-L. You know, you've changed the meaning of the word. It's, it's got a different a different meaning um I'll give you one which is important in terms of the um uh let's see mm, proclamation okay yeah, yeah i've got it highlighted a poor person okay here's one in um uh, you can see the highlighted one at the top of uh, their number 1 uh, verse 284 and the arabic word there says meskinen uh, the um Uh, a a, a poor person, and the hafs version, the hafs, sorry, the hafs says maskinin, and the Arabic says uh, masakin. And so it's the um, question of what happens if you are not able to fast during Ramadan? Who do, what do you do? And he said, feed a poor person or feed poor people. And so do you just feed one person, or do you feed multiple people? And because it's very important in terms of fulfilling the law that you do the right things, and people were unclear about that. And you need to then go to the hadith in order to find out uh, how many poor people, whether it's just one or multiple, um, and uh, what the what the situation is there.
1: Uh, I, I, you know, and we're talking with Dr. Bernie Power. From Melbourne School of Theology, just a, a wonderful to, to see this and understand these narratives and understand, you know, what we can do to talk talk with Muslims on the streets and, and share with them about this because it does seem like they have built themselves up. They believe the Quran is eternal; it's sitting in heaven right now, and so forth. And it, it it's great to kind of be able to point these things out that Dr. Bernie Power is sharing with us and. You know, we're so blessed to to hear from him right now on these things. And it's really, really important when we talk about it. And as he's talking about these doctrinal differences, especially because we're talking about Islam where he's talking about a work that they're supposed to do during Ramadan. One one of the five pillars, you have to practice Ramadan. It is a works-based religion in terms of their salvation. And so if you are unable to know what you're supposed to practice in a works-based religion, that seems like kind of a problem is that right dr power yeah and um <clears throat> very much
2: for muslims they will believe their yeah their eternal salvation will depend on this so they they really want to know what these things are and they really have to know it's it's not a sense of whether it's um or you know uh, optional or not they they need to do that um, so that that's why, you know, they'll say, well, yeah, we need to we need to work this out. And so the legal scholars over the centuries have put together a whole lot of things around this, taking into account the fact that these there were variant texts. By the way, scholars over the centuries haven't denied these things. They've known known these uh, around and they've responded to them. It's only in probably the last century, maybe since the um, the standardized version came out of Cairo. That they decided that there was only one version. This is a, a, a relatively new doctrine, by the way. When uh, the um, at Cairo they decided that the there was only going to be this one Arabic version, the Hus version. They collected all the other ones and they dumped them in the Nile River. So um, the uh, Qurans were un, were burnt in the time of Uthman and drowned in the time of. Uh, uh, of the, um, yeah, the Cairo recension that came
0: out. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll free at 1 866 JC Truth. That's 1 866 528 7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.